I was praying, and uh, I have a just a word of encouragement before we get into Luke 13. You want to turn there. We do have notes that are being passed out right now. Here's what the Lord told me uh, today as I came back from an incredible time with Him. He said this. You ready? He said, I desire more than anything else that you would realize that the heavens are open to you. That the way has been made, that the gate is, is open, the door is not shut. I want you to experience life here on earth in abundance. I want you to be loosed. I want you to be free. I want you to have peace and joy in your heart and a hope for the future. That's a great word. Come on, God has so many amazing things for you. All across this place, notes are being passed out. So, But just lift your hands, lift your heart, take whatever posture you want to, and invite the Holy Spirit just to come to wash over you. Forget about the bad news that you heard. I've got good news for you tonight. Forget about the hurt and the pain, the bills. Forget about the things that are, might be overwhelming you. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, labor to enter into his rest. It sounds like an oxymoron. Labor to enter into his rest. Just let go. Let your defenses down. This is a safe place. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep can't drink from a rushing river. The shepherd would have to cut a ewe out of a bank of a rushing river. You know, a, a, a little pool out of the bank or let the water run in softly come so they could drink because water runs up the nose of a sheep. That's what that means. This is a place, it's a safe place to be able to drink from the river of his pleasure. I have a word for you that I believe is going to change your life. I really do. I'm going to read this to you one more time because some of you woke up about halfway through it. The Lord says, I desire more than anything for you to realize that the heaven, the heavens are open to you. Meaning access to his throne, if I could just paraphrase or sort of bring some definition here. With, oh, oh, I, I would do you'd rend the heavens. Well, he, he already did. He already did through his death, through his resurrection. The, the heavens are the rent. The, you have access. You, you can boldly come before his throne and find help in time of need. That his, his body, his, his broken body, his, his, his bleeding broken body, the thorns on his, on his brow, pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity, the chastisement that brought us peace, Isaiah 53. It's upon him. He said, I am the way, I am the, the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. So when we come here today, tonight, wherever you are listening to this, maybe as it's recorded at a later date, or maybe you're online, there's a place of joy. There's a place of healing divine. 
There's a place of freedom. There's a place for you. It's not far off. It's near as the words in your mouth. There's a place for you. There's, there's hope for you. There's a life of abundance and freedom and joy. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to tolerate the thoughts of suicide and, and anxiety. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be loosed. I desire more than anything for you to realize that the heavens are open to you. That the way has been made. That the gate is open. The door is not shut. You're not being denied. It's invitation. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. So many years ago, I was on a construction site and uh, working with a friend of mine and he told me, you know, I was working with a pressure washer and engraved into the side of the gas tank of this huge pressure washer was Jeremiah 33, 3. And you can look that up. It's a, it's, a, it's a great verse of scripture. Call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. And he said, and I made up a song. And so he sang me this song. And I, I, I could sing it to you, but it would be a little odd. And I used to sing that song over and over and over again. And I, I don't know, I'm, you know, one of the 100th times that I was singing it, just make a little, it made a song, you know, and my, it just became alive to me. And it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, go ahead, just ask me anything you want. And I'll show you things. And I thought, ooh. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. We're calling tonight, God, that you would show us things. This word that he spoke to me, he wants you to be loose. He wants you to be free. He wants you to have joy and peace in your heart and a hope for the future. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your power, for freedom in the house of God tonight. Let every man and every woman be brought low. You be glorified. You be magnified. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Mm. Hallelujah. All right, let's get after it. Luke 13. Thank you. Why don't you stand? That's a custom we have. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. The book of Luke, chapter 13. <laughs> if you're not able to stand up, I understand. Just stand up on the inside as you honor God's Word. You can stand without having honor in your heart towards His Word. That's a bad idea. Here we go, Luke 13, go down to verse 10. On the Sabbath, and New International Version, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit. By a what? Spirit. 
Crippled by a what? Spirit. Crippled by a spirit. How many of you know that is not the Holy Spirit? That is an unholy spirit. Crippled by a spirit for 18 years, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. But I, I got to tell you that the King James is just so much better right here. Woman, thou art loose. Say it. Woman, thou art loose. Oh, let's put, a, let's put man in there. Man, thou art loose. Verse 13, then he put his hands on her. He did what? He put his hands on her and immediately, when? Immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath day. He had a devil too. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. I love the preaching of Jesus. You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out and give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan, who, who? Satan, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? Verse 17, and when he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wondrous things he was doing. Father, before you we stand. <laughs> before you we stand, so grateful for your word that truly is a lamp and two or feet of light upon our path. Lord, may the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity. May people be loosed and freed. May people be taught clearly from your word tonight. Bring an unction of your anointing, your empowerment upon me to be able to preach. Use these lips of clay and touch all of our hearts that we might ever be the same. From the youngest to the oldest and the moments that remain in this service tonight. May we be forever changed and may people be loosed. In fact, we declare, be thou loosed. Say it with me. Be thou loosed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me define loosed for a moment. And uh, if you've been here for any length of time, uh, I usually preach a message on binding and loosing, which is my pastor, my spiritual father, Dr. James Morocco's life message on binding and loosing from Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18 about what it is to bind and what it is to loose. And so you can look at that uh, online. You can look that up on the, uh, on the podcast. You can look it up on YouTube, binding and loosing. I preach it, I revisit that message a lot once a year because it'll really help you. You have authority, you have power in the name of Jesus to overcome every obstacle, every disease, all infirmity, sickness, depression. You've got authority. Come on, say, I have authority. You have authority. So binding and loosing is important. So a definition of binding and loosing is found, is, is found here in verse 16. So ought not this woman, who's being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, so that's not a positive thing. 
she's hunched over and couldn't stand up. So I don't know if you've seen people like that. I have. And she's, she's, we don't know what it looked like, but it looked pretty gruesome and certainly painful in 18 years. And he says, clearly, Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham. To be bound by Satan is to be handcuffed by the evil one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to bring pain. He comes to bring torment. He comes to bring uh, the extinguishing of the very life of God and try to rob and kill and steal. That's what he does. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. When he's lying, he's speaking his native language. That's what he does. So, so binding and loosing, to bind someone or to, to bind a devil. Now, we could take authority over demonic power and bind demon power. That's us putting a handcuff or cords of God's power and authority around demonic power. That's us binding the devil. Or the Satan could bind people. So you understand what binding is. Mama used to have me bind the newspapers. When we lived at 124 Panago Road, we had these newspapers, and we would bind them and then bring them out or roll them up and use them for... Anybody ever seen those newspaper longs? They don't work that good. This device where you put newspapers in and you roll it and you make a log out of newspaper is not nearly as good as spruce. How many of you ever had to bind the newspapers and bring them out to the curb when you were a kid? Okay, so you understand with twine and that kind of thing. Satan's intention is exposed here. 18 years of torment. But it's not just this woman that had a demon, that was was bound by a demon. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the couldn't-sees and the wouldn't-sees. It was those who were bound from seeing God's power and were religious. They had a form of religion lacking power. They had hypocrisy. He, this, this one would set his, his animal free, but see a daughter of Abraham let's say, remain in sickness, remain bound. There are those who have religious demons. How does that manifest in the church today? Well, usually, that, that's the Lord warning. You don't want that. You don't want a religious demon. You hear the siren. That's the, that's the Holy Ghost just saying, don't get it, don't do that. Folding your arms, looking at people who have joy, making excuses for why they have it or saying they're emotional or poking fun at them and not really being open to move of the Spirit at all. And I don't know if you've ever seen that before. I have. I mean, I think about Naaman. Naaman, who so wanted to be delivered, but when he finally got the word of the Lord from the prophet, actually it wasn't from the prophet, it was from Naaman's servant. He knocks on the door and the servant answers, what do you want? And he tells him, go dip, in the, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And he's so mad, he walks away. He's like, what? Seven times? Couldn't I do that back home? I mean, give me a break. And then one of his men said, hey, listen, if he told you to do something great, wouldn't you do it? Just obey, man. So many people have a misconception about the way that God would move. Listen, don't keep God in a box. He can heal you while you're driving, singing your southern gospel on the way to church. I know, southern gospel. He can, he, can heal, he can heal you while you're, while you're, while you're singing to your country music. He, he can heal you while you're, while you're in bed. He can heal you through a dream. He, he can heal you through creation. My brother Chris and uh, John were here, and, and the Lord has this unusual way of speaking to my brother Chris through creation. And, uh, and it's been that way, I think, all his life. He's just got this unique relationship 
with animals and dogs and stuff. And so he wakes up the first morning in our house and he looks out the, out the window and there's a red fox. Okay, we, we know the fox, but we very rarely, I mean, over the year, maybe have seen them, oh, five or six times during the winter. But, but now this fox is, is, is crouched down looking basically in the window of my brother's room. And so, you know, he wakes up and he sees the fox and it's just kind of like the Lord speaking to him. Hey, I love you. You're awesome. Praise God. If you have a, when you have a religious demon, you'll just dismiss everything or, or try to make a bunch of rules and regulations and, and if that doesn't fit in your little box and you just get all bent out of shape. And that's what happens here. The religious leader had a demon. The intention of the enemy of your soul is to tie you to demon power. You say, well, I'm in church. He can't die. No, yes, he can. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, you might not like it, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you tonight. Let's look at bondage two ways that the enemy binds. And this is, this is really a, a review for many. If you've been here for any length of time. Now, this is not taught too frequently in churches because uh, there are those who feel that maybe it's too deep or uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not... It's just not cute. I, I really don't care for cute messages. I, I, I want somebody to, come on, give me some Epicac if I need to throw up. Get, feed me Epicac. If I, how many of you know what Epicac is? Some of you need some spiritual Epicac. Come on, if you need to get something out of your life, don't you want somebody to help you? Come on, not in a religious way, with the love of God. Don't you want somebody to help you? If you got stuff on the inside of you that's tearing you up, that's robbing from you, that's stealing from you, that's killing from you, that's binding you, if you have something that's binding you, don't you want to get free from that? You say, what if you don't know? Well, then you come like I'm coming. Lord, if I've got anything that's binding me, oh, set me free tonight, God. That's how you come the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Be so arrogant to think that you can't be bound. Yes, you can with all the pollution out there. You can get defiled. You can get all kinds of stuff. You've got to deal with it. You've got you you to face it head on. Look at bondage. Two ways the enemy binds us. Indirect demonic bondage. Now, now here's, this is interesting. In Luke 6, verse 18 and 19, if you can flip there quickly, go ahead. Indirect demonic bondage. We all live in an evil world. So the fact that we live in an evil world, there's evil taking place in the world, and you happen to be here. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, there's no disease, but when Adam and Eve fell, then sickness and disease was entered into the earth. But what's interesting is in Luke 6, verse 18, Adam come near him and he healed them of their diseases. What did he do to their diseases? He healed them of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. There's, there's two different things happening here. There's people that have diseases and impure spirits. There's both. There's both. So a disease can be a demonic bondage indirectly or directly. We'll talk about direct in just a moment. But this is indirectly. You can experience bondage indirectly simply because we live in an evil world. And we're fallen. Everybody say we're fallen right in the notes there. We're fallen. We're part of a fallen human race. Now, we've been redeemed, but you still live here. I mean, right? In the winter, if you were to stand outside in your BVDs for a long period of time, you're going to get sick, Bubba. Right? 
you understand? Oh, God can supernaturally protect you. But I mean, you know, you, you put your hand over a fire, you're going to get burned. You understand? Right. So there's, there's the fact that we're fallen. We get angry and bitter. That can affect us. And if you begin to yield to that bitterness, you yield to that bondage of, uh, of anger, you, you can make a bondage of anger, you can make a bondage of lust, you can make a bondage of greed, you can, all you have to do is keep yielding to that thing. Now that's talking more direct bondage. But Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians 5, 16, I say then walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. We're all affected by the demonic indirectly, but there's also direct demonic bondage. And you see this in verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Had a what? A spirit of infirmity and was bent over and could no wise raise herself up. Direct demonic bondage is when demons try to control a person's being and they come upon you. There's a woman, she's bent over as a result of a demon. In other words, it didn't happen because she tripped and fell. That could be demonic too, but there's, there's direct and there's indirect. There's indirect and direct, all right. So just because somebody has an illness or a sickness, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a devil. Somebody say amen. So you had to know which is which. I basically load my bullet with everything I got. I'll take care of the devil, and I'll take care of the indirect, too. And, you know, unless you have discernment and the Lord shows you. Some of you think you have discernment, but you've got a spirit of accusation and suspicion. Let's move on. How we become bound. How we become bound. Two ways to become bound. By our actions. Sin opens the door. All my youth say this. My youth say sin. That's not nearly loud enough. Say sin. sin. Opens a door. door. Right, sin opens a door. So if you live in habitual sin, you make choices to sin, you, li- you have sin in your life, it can open the door. Thank God for His mercy when it doesn't, but sin can open the door. They're called entry points. For those of you that have been involved in deliverance ministry, which every church ought to have, that's just normal Christianity. Jesus never made fun of anybody having a devil or having a bondage. He just dealt with it and moved on. See, if you continue to yield to your fallenness, that action can open a door, can be an entry point to become bound demonically. Drugs in ancient times were used to summon spirits to themselves. Well, you can claim the law allows you to smoke pot as much as you want to, but if you're doing that in such a way... That it's that is sin. I, I do believe that THC and different things can be used. I don't know that much about it. I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. I would avoid all kinds of drugs and painkillers as much as possible and believe Jesus. Right. So I I think there's probably medicinal uses for that. There's creams and different things. I'm not against modern medicine. I I, I think it's wonderful. God, thank God for the modern medicine. Because if there wasn't, my wife wouldn't be here. So thank God, you know they. Made insulin. But meanwhile, we're contending, we're believing for her to be completely healed by the power of God. But at the same time, if you're using medicine to get high, you're using medicine for intoxication, you're opening the door to demonic power. The ancients used to do that to bring spirits unto themselves. 
Come on, some of you get high on cough syrup. You know who you are. You're like, yes, I've got a cold. I've got the flu. I, oh, I have a flu. Where's the NyQuil? Three shots to make sure it works. Okay. If you're yielding to lust, if you yield to lust, it can open you up to, to a demon, a spirit of lust, and a spirit of lust can bind you. Now, I'm not going to get all into it. We've got kids here. That's all I'm going to say about that. But you need to teach your kids. Don't let somebody else teach your kids. I was so blessed to have the talk with my son years ago. I was blessed to be the first one to have the talk with him, the birds and the bees. Now, I didn't get to have the talk with the birds and bees with Hannah because she figured it out at 10 years old with an encyclopedia and cross-referencing stuff. And she came with a stack of books and said, well, I know how you get pregnant. I was like, wow. Oh, you do? Yeah. I said, okay. How? She says, let me show you. I thought, okay. She opens all these books, cross-referenced everything. I'm like, okay. I said, are you okay? She says, I think it's weird. I said, okay, no problem. Let's move on. Let's, let's, uh, dinner's ready. Ten. Ten. My son, we had a, we had a talk. <laughs> My son, we had a talk, and, uh, as we were rabbit hunting, perfect place to have a talk. I thought I would cross-reference rabbits, but I, I didn't get the chance to do that. Told him everything, and he said, oh, I get it. It's kind of like the rooster and the chickens. We had chickens back at the rooster. Okay, so listen, farm people learn first. <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor and say, what's he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. I'm saying you need to teach your kids. So, you know, I mentioned lust. You, I think it's okay to teach someone what that means in a, in a gracious, godly way. You know, reading the Bible with my son who's eight years old, seven years old, or my daughter, and it's like, and so then she was a prostitute. And it's like, what's a prostitute? What do you say to a seven or an eight-year-old who asks what a prostitute is? I'm like, hold on a second. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. That's, that's someone who pays for kisses, who gets paid to give kisses. That's weird, I know. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> but if you yield to lust, and you need to teach your kids this, you need to read the Proverbs to them. You need to teach them to not yield to lust. You need to teach them to control themselves. You need to teach them, right, to put their flesh down. That's why it's good to force, not force feed, but make them eat their green vegetables if they don't like them occasionally, because it's good to learn to put your flesh down. If you yield to lust, you yield to greed, you yield to bondage, you, you yield to sin, you can end up building a house where the enemy will then come and live there with you. You say, well, I'm a Christian, and I can't have no devil on the inside of me. Well, he's sitting on your head defecating. Is that good enough for you? Would you like a devil to sit on your head and do that? Everybody say no. Say, be thou loose. Say it. Be thou loose. Say it again like you mean it. Oh, you guys are getting good. Try it again. Be. Yeah, you can get free. You can end up in bondage by the actions of others. There's many who've been abused by others. And that creates a wound. Many of you have been through things that are unspeakable. Let me say that if you're currently in a situation where you're held captive and being abused... You feel free to come and tell us. We'll help you. 
We'll help you. There's others that'll help you. You can, you can call. You don't have to be under that bondage. You can get free. You're so special and you're so significant that nobody should ever, ever abuse you verbally or any other way. Come on, you can, you can be healed of that thing if you've been through it. The whole Me Too movement, it's a great thing, I think, in many ways. People getting free. Well, you'll notice in times in Scripture there are people who've been demonized innocently, for instance... The paralytic, the paralytic that Jesus heals, they say, who, who's, why is this man you know, like this? Is it his sin or the sin of his parents? You've got to take note of that. You mean, what, what do you mean his sin or the sin? That means your sin or even generational sin can affect you. Notice that Jesus didn't make a lot of distinctions about healing, physically sick or demonic sickness, indirect or direct. He doesn't make a lot of distinction. Our culture is so weird. It dismissed the whole thing like it doesn't even exist or makes somebody ostracized because they, had, they were demonized. You say, were you demonized, Pastor? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and you might be too. But you can be free. Come on, smile at me. Two occasions, Mark, uh, on two occasions, Mark 7, verse 25, Syrophoenician woman said, her little girl, verse 25, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, she came and fell at his feet. Wow. So, I mean, even, even children can be affected? Yes. 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 You say, well, what did they, what did they do wrong? Maybe Nothing. I mean, you know, okay, they didn't, they didn't share their Tonka toy or their crayons. No. There can be things that come in to attack your house, attack your home, but you've got authority. You can be set free. Your kids can be set free. I've told this story, but it's been a long time, so I'll tell it again. We were pastoring in Kula, Hawaii, and we had a, a single mother who had their, her, her son there, who I, I believe he was maybe five years old. I want to say five, six years old, Okay. And uh, she said, Pastor, would you please pray over my six-year-old? I think he has demons. I said, why do you think that? Oh, he just, I mean, he growls. There's all kinds of sounds that come out of him, all kinds of stuff. I said, sure, where is he? So he's like, no, 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 no. You know, he says, he's walking around. So I said, oh, well, can I pray for him? Yeah. So we bring him up, and uh, I brought him. It was the end of church. Church was over. Most people had left. And I, I picked him up, and I, I don't know why I did it, but I just put him on my pulpit. So... I'm sitting here, so I look at him eye to eye, and I'm saying, hey. He's like, hi. So how you doing? He goes, good. Pokemon's bad. I said, oh, really? I didn't even say anything. He's offering information to me. So he says, Pokemon's bad. Listen, if this messes up your Pokemon thing, God bless you. You talk to Jesus about it. I'm just telling you what happened. Pocket monster from Japan. I, I don't know. You maybe will not want to have that. Anyway, Pokemon's bad. I said, oh. Really? I mean, I don't even know what Pokemon is. And he says, and then he gets his, his furrow, and he looks at me, and he says, Digiman is really bad. When Digiman comes, Jesus leaves. I said, oh, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> so I said, uh, okay, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you in a second. Let me, I put him down. He runs off. I said, Mom, come here. She comes up. I said, he's talking about Pokemon and Digimon, and he told me this. When Digimon comes, Jesus leaves. She says, oh, yeah, those are those videos. 
I go, what videos? Well, he's got these videos, and when he watches them, he just gets, like, really angry and stuff. I said, um, maybe you shouldn't be watching them. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I can't take them away. You can't take them away? No, if I try to take those away, do you? he freaks out. And he won't stop. I mean, like, for a long period of time, kicking, scratching, throwing things. I can't take those away. I said, what are you doing? Who's, are you raising your child? Are you, who's raising, are you the boss? Apparently not. And I just corrected her in love, but it was irritating for me. Now, I've told this story before. She said, I know, I, I just feel so guilty because I'm divorced and he doesn't have a father and I want to just be loving to him. Listen, love slaps. Love, love corrects on the seat of their understanding with love. You know, pain is a tremendous teacher. There's abuse, but I'm just telling you, kids don't gouge their eyes out because... It hurts. They'll poke anything else. You ever see a little baby? But they won't take their eyes out. Why? Pain. Some of you are in a woodshed from the Lord right now. You ought to learn the lesson. You don't have to go back there. And I've told this before too, and then we'll move on into how to respond to being bound. I saw that kid some 12 plus years later. And um, he was so filled with demons, it was really shocking. And um, I went and shook his hand, and he avoided me. He was really angry, and uh, I wish I did more when I saw him. Maybe, Lord, would you give me another shot? How to respond to being bound? Well, there's two ways. There's the wrong way, and then there's the right way. There's the wrong way, and the what? The right way. Everybody say, I don't want to do the wrong way. I don't want to do the wrong way. If you help people who struggle with alcoholism or drug addiction, the one thing, the first thing they got to get over is to understand that denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> denial. That's the wrong way to do it. Well, there are no demons. Well, there is no bondage. Well, no, I'm a Christian. No, I've got Jesus in my heart, so I can't be bound. Come on, Simon Magus in Acts 8. Does anybody know that text? In Acts 8, Simon, he's a sorcerer and he gets saved and he has fellowship with Philip and, and, and he gets baptized and then the apostles come and they lay hands on, he lays hands on, the, on those that were believers and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and Simon wants to buy, he wants to use control, which is witchcraft basically, so that he too can give the Holy Spirit and they say, man, you're bound. You're full of iniquity. So here's a, here's a believer. He believed the message. What message? Jesus crucified, resurrected from the dead. Right? He got baptized in water. He could be a part of the board of any church. Not this one. But he could be, a board of, uh, be on the board of churches. I mean, he's baptized. He's in fellowship. He's saved. Right? Yeah. Is he saved? Yeah. Oh, some would say, no, he isn't. But it says he believed, which believe means he's saved. He believed what? He believed that Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead and he confessed his sins and he's baptized, an outward sign of what took place on the inside of his heart. So he's saved, he's baptized, and he's hanging out with the guest evangelist. And yet he's bound. So does that mean that a Christian could be bound? Yes, and there's many other scriptures and it's a whole other message really. It really is. 
So does that mean that you could be bound? Yeah, it does. It does mean that. He said, well, I'm not. Are you sure? I think it'd be best to have the response that I've been taught to have. Lord, if there's anything there, God, show me and rip it out and help me to repent. Change my thinking. Am I doing anything? Are there any open doors? I mean, even now I'm saying it. I'm not like pretend praying. Are there any open doors? I'm asking. I don't have any, I'm not being convicted. I've got nothing coming up. Does anybody know that my conscience is like clean? Is yours? Oh, snap. So the wrong response is to deny the problem. Deny the problem. Until you acknowledge that you have a problem, you ain't ever going to get free from it. And I will tell you that, that bondage operates in darkness. The power of the devil operates in darkness. And if he can keep you having some secret sin, listen, you, you talk to men of God, women of God, you do, we do autopsies. I've, I've taught you, I, I mean that, spiritual autopsies. In other words, like, fine, I don't like it, but I mean, I'm interested. How, how is it that somebody who's so on fire with a thriving church, a thriving ministry, impacting the nations, how do you end up throwing it all away for a moment? How do you do that? How, why would you do that? I mean, what would bring such deception into your mind to toss away, destroy your marriage, destroy your kids, destroy your church, destroy your ministry, and undermine the, the, the kingdom of God and have your name plastered all over newspapers because you, you committed adultery? Now, you tell me, why would, why would anybody in their right mind do that? Well, they're not in their right mind. So I like finding out about autopsies and say, now, how did that happen? Let's examine that. Until you acknowledge that you've got bondages in your life. And you may not have them. You say, Pastor Daniel, do you have bondages in your life? I do not. There's certain things that want to try to that nip at my heels. And I keep them underneath my feet. There's a propensity for things in my family, in my generational line. I keep them there. I, I, I keep them there. So you can ask the Lord, what is, what is, there, any, is there any propensity? It's like a, anybody ever shoot arrows here? You're bow hunters here. If you have a bent bow, it doesn't go on target. It misses. In fact, that's what sin is, missing the mark. When you have a propensity for some, Listen, alcoholism, they've proven that it's actually a, a genetic, it's passed on genetic code. Now, I believe that God, by his power, can redo your genetic code. I believe that. I've had that. I believe that's happened to me. I believe that's happened for my kids. But at the same time, do we ignore, like, if you have a, a, a history of alcoholism, it's a really good idea that you don't end up drinking and getting drunk. Besides the point, besides the point that a Christian shouldn't get drunk. Do not be drunk with wine. And, and I don't ever drink wine. I don't drink beer either. I do have beer batter halibut when I'm invited over to eat it. And I don't know, maybe we've sent somebody to go get a couple six-packs in the years gone by to make beer batter halibut, but I ain't going to get it. I mean, what would it look like, you know, Pastor Daniel walking out with a 12-pack? What's up? Praise the Lord. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Oh, beer batter, yeah, you know that's right. Thank you, Jesus. How would that look? It's the appearance of evil. Well, I saw your pastor with a 12-pack of Bud Dummer. Where are we? Everybody say, be loosed. Be loosed. 
He used the King James. The devil hates the King James. Be thou loose. Say it again. Be thou loose. You want to get really fancy, you could say be adjured. No, you don't have to use any fancy language. In Jesus' name, command you to go. That works. The wrong way is to be in denial or to, to accommodate the problem. To accommodate the problem. Never tolerate the enemy, always a victim. Dr. Morocco years ago had a, a he kept having to buy bigger shoes. And uh, he bought bigger shoes because he had a corn. So we had to get wider and wider shoes so it didn't get irritated. He was accommodating the corn. I'm not talking about corn on the cob. I'm talking about those things that can grow on your feet, I guess. I'm not quite sure what it is. I know. I'm never going to get them. So he, he decided, he went to the doctor. They told him what to do, but he was busy. He just didn't do it. He just neglected it. So instead of like dealing with the corn on his foot, he got a bigger shoe. Some of you keep getting bigger shoes when Jesus wants you to cut the corn. Jesus wants you to sever the corn, take the corn off, and quit getting a bigger set of you. Deal with your lust, deal with your greed, deal with your bondage. Walk in freedom, walk in power, walk in authority. You don't have to accommodate it. Quit getting another pair of shoes. I've known people to change churches over and over and over because they just get so close and finally their sores begin to be seen and somebody lovingly tries to correct them. Oh, you ain't, oh, you ain't, oh, no. And they're like, I'm out of here. Y'all controlling. Oh, go get a bigger pair of shoes then. You want to be busted, disgusted, broken, corns all over your body? Go ahead. Well, praise the Lord. Excuse the problem. It's the wrong way. This is good. I'm getting refreshed. Is there anybody else being refreshed? Thank you, Jesus. Denial. Deny that it even exists. Accommodate the problem. We're writing your notes. Excuse the problem. Well, it's a chemical imbalance that my, runs in my family. Oh, runs in your family, that anger, that rage problem. You get so angry, you punch holes all over in your house and you look for knives and everybody has to run. That's, that runs in your family. It's a demon. It's a demon of rage. I'm not looking at anybody. I can hardly see. I'm being blinded. If you, if you feel like I'm looking at you, you're being convicted. You have pictures that hang in different places of your house, sort of unusual because that's where you punch the wall. We like just to move the picture. And really, when you're punching the wall in your fit of rage, oh, big, strong man or woman, really what you're saying to those around you is you want to punch them like that, but you just, in this particular instance, was able to move that to a wall. But soon it'll be their head. Now, that, you, you need to control yourself, dude. All right, the right response. The right response. Place yourself in a position to receive from Jesus. Amen. You know, you came to church tonight, and I, I'm almost done. I know this is a, sort of convicting for some. But you, you've come to church tonight. And, and listen, if in the, in the preaching of the message right now, you're folding your hands and you're like, can't wait till I shut up, or you've turned me off already on the computer, you might have a religious demon. But put yourself in the right position to receive from Jesus. You're here. You're here. What a great place to be. Come on, thank God that you came to church tonight. You decided, oh, I'm coming to church. 
I've come to receive from you. I've come to minister to you. I've come to lift my hands in the sanctuary and declare that you're great and you're awesome. You're more important than than TV. You're more important than, than a movie. You're more important than anything else. I've come to worship you. You know, you never know what's going to happen in this place. My wife and I, when we were coming up in our church all those years ago, you know, we never missed a service. And in fact, that's not true. We missed, we missed one Sunday morning of all the years of going to church. And, and we went to the beach. And that was the service that was like amazing. And, 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 and God came, miracles, and there was this fresh outpouring. And there we are at the beach. And I remember we're at the beach going, I wonder what's happening at church right now. No, we, we were really just, we just loved going to church. It's the biggest party in town. I mean, you, let me see, you get joy, you get to sing, you meet, your, you meet all your friends, you can, you can dance, thank you, Jesus. You can, oh, and then you hear a word or it's convicting and you get to become more like Jesus and you get healed and you get touched. I mean, I was just like, oh, somebody lay hands on me again so I can get filled again. Fill me again. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. I was like, Wow. I think in many ways, in the beginning years, it was like an addiction. But then, you know, I, I just, I mean, it's just my everything. So we found out about that service. It was this amazing service. And then we just said, you know what, we're not doing that again. You know, as you pray for God to speak to you, Lord, would you give me a revelation about this thing? You know, that's probably going to happen the next service you miss. And we had somebody say this to us. They said, oh, yeah, no, I don't miss church. I don't, I don't ever miss church. Because that could be the service that Jesus comes and lays hands on everybody himself. I thought, ooh. Now I know you got to work and stuff. Of course you got to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. Hello, that's, that's Thessalonians says that. That's why we have so many services. No, but you got to put yourself in a place to receive from Jesus. You got to put yourself in a place to receive from Jesus. You know, it's more than a psychological thing. Demon power is not, the, demon power can mess with your psychological, mess with your mind, but it's not just psychological. There's a spirit behind many things. Openly confess your need. Look at verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. He called her right in front of others. Now look, you have to be willing to confess your issues. If you're not willing to confess, you're not willing to get open and honest, and you're never going to get free. I've had people say to me, oh, you know, they come, they get saved. I mean, this just happens. I mean, if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. There's thousands of people this happens. They come, they, they, they give their hearts to Jesus. They, they, but, you know, I don't see them there that night. Of course, they're home. No, I mean, there's, there's instances where they went to work or different things, but they're home. And they watch some defiling movie. We follow up on them. They don't come Wednesday. We might be able to get them back in Sunday. Now, there's exceptions to this. And I think, and, I, and I, could, I could point out some of the exceptions. Those are people that are walking in firepower, authority, walking, walking in their identity. They've grown. They've snapped out of all this bondage. I'm not saying you have to come to church every time, but I am telling you there's got to be a genuine hunger on the inside of you. And if you want to be set free, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you're hungry and thirsty, you won't be stopped by anybody. When there's a desperation on the inside of you to get your family healed, buddy, you know, 911, the churches were packed out on 911, packed out. Oh, never forget. We'll always remember. Well, all these years later, where is everybody? 
So you've got to come to a place of receiving from the Lord and you've got to confess, openly confess your need. Amen. Ephesians 5, 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Do you understand that scripture? Can we put that up? Ephesians 5, 13. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're okay. A couple more minutes. I'm almost done. Ephesians 5, 13. Turn there in your Bibles or on your devices. Or if you are not able to do that, we're going to put it up on the screen. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. That's like, duh. Okay, can you black out the stage? Is that easy enough to do with one switch? Can you black all these out for a second? Okay, so the lights are, for the verse, out. Turn them on. They're on. Don't be scared. There you go. Turn them off. Turn them on. What that scripture is saying, when what the light makes visible, makes light. In other words, when God's power, God's word, God's spirit makes something visible, a bondage, sickness, infirmity, what he makes visible, he makes light. He will change that thing and cause a darkness to go. Listen, you don't cause darkness to leave a room by bucket, taking a bucket and throwing it out there. You turn the light on. Everybody say, turn the light on. All right, embrace the word of the Lord, verse 12 as well. Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. Thou art loosed from your infirmity. When Jesus said those words, she was still bent over when he said it. Oftentimes we fail to understand the power of the word of the Lord. When, if you fail to understand the power of the word of the Lord, and many people, many people don't act on the word of the Lord, so they unplug, they nullify. This is Mark 7. God says, let there be light, and we still have it. Jesus said to the Pharisees, said, you nullify the word of God through your tradition. How do you nullify the word of God? Nullify means to render empty or void. It's done. It's stopped. The only one that can stop God's word, you know who can stop God's word? You. Because you're made in God's image and likeness. So if you'll learn to speak his word and obey his word and stand on his word, you'll see the light break forth. But many people don't. Many people don't obey his word. Many people remove it and make all kinds of excuses and they become unbelieving believers. People that are saved, but, but they don't act on healing. They don't act on miracles. They don't contend for provision. They don't contend for outpouring. And so then when they're not filled with the spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, they make up a theology that tongues don't exist because I don't have that. When in fact they've not dealt with their pornographic problem. They've not dealt with their anger. They've not dealt with their greed. They've not cut the corn. They got corns all over them. And they're bound and they're bruised and they're like, where's the power? But they refuse to deal with the issues in their heart and their life and so they receive a powerless Christianity someone say embrace the, word, embrace the word of the Lord verse 13 receive impartation and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight wow he laid his hands on her and received impartation my 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 you know that book of James says, if any of you sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil, right? You all know that scripture? They'll anoint with oil of the prayer of faith. They'll save that sick person. The Lord will heal them and do what? Raise them up. Call upon the elders of the church. Elder is basically synonymous with pastor. So how can you call on a pastor 
if you don't have one? How, how, how do you receive impartation if you're not a part of a community? How, how do you do that? Oh, I, you can. Oh, I, I'd agree with that. You can. You can. But, but really, the context of that scripture is called upon the elders of the church. When you're sick, come to church, have a pastor lay hands on you. He said, well, can I have my wife lay hands? Yes. Your husband? Yes. Your little child? Yes. But you can't dismiss this also, that the community, is there's a release, there's impartation. There's, there is a corporate anointing that comes. Minister Micah, please. There's a corporate anointing that comes. A what? A corporate anointing. That's here now. Right now. Where two or three are gathered, there he is in their midst. I agree. But when, when you begin to get more and people believing and contending, and it's just the, the nios of God, the dwelling place of God. And that's different than you being in your prayer closet. As powerful and effective as that is, there's times of release of God's power that will come through times of gathering together as a corporate body of believers, impartation that can be released to you that will not come at other times. Straighten up and praise God. Number five. Everybody say straighten up. My mama came to morning prayer this morning. I was encouraged by this morning. She's had a challenge with her hip. On her 80th birthday, which just was just a couple days ago, she said, Lord, I don't want to go into my 80th year with a bum hip, you know with a limp, boom, she got healed. I mean, I saw the day before she couldn't get in her car. She had, to, she had to lift her leg up and put it in the car. And she comes over and she's like, I'm healed. I'm like, wow, what happened? Honestly, I was really kind of irritated about some other things. You know, just challenges around the house and rushing to go do something. And she's like, oh no, I'm healed. I'm like, what? She said, oh yeah, Lord, I don't want to go to my 80th year with a limp. And the Lord healed me. And I thought, I was instantly unirritated. And I realized, wow, that's amazing. And this morning in morning prayer, I'm watching her lift her leg and going like this. That's her straightening up. What, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you What do you? need to do? What do you need to straighten up? Come on, some of you need to push yourself away from some things. Quit getting bigger shoes. Quit denying there is even such a thing. Well, not me. I'm all good. Literally, there's... There's a setting free that comes through living in community, the impartation of living in community. I've had this discussion with a few different people in the church that say that, with, you know, as a Christian, you can't be cursed because Jesus became a curse for us in Galatians 3. How many of you know that scripture? Put that up, please. Galatians chapter 3, and this will be our last verse for tonight. Just want to touch on this. Galatians 3.10 For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. 
as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So hold on a second now. So basically, if you're breaking the law, that can provide potentially for a curse. You understand, right? Good news, though. Go to verse, uh, I think, is it 13? Christ redeemed us. He purchased us back from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hung on a pole or a tree. So you can be free from the curse by believing on Jesus because he sucked up like a sponge all the curses unto himself. However, so potentially, here's what I believe. You decide what you believe. So potentially, all curses are broken. But if the curse is broken and you continue in the action, does it, is it still alighting? Is it still remaining in your life? If you do that, which is cursed behavior, you end up cursed, even though that's not God's will for you. As you appropriate the grace of God, the power of God, that breaks a curse. And I'll just tell you my experience in coming into the church, the community of faith, is that I had bondages, I had things, I had issues. And as those would be revealed, I got to work them out with fear and trembling. I got to renew my mind. I'd take, I'd take every thought captive and make it obedient. And there were times where I didn't do that and I would, I would veer off a little bit and then, and then like, ah, oh, come back and repent and like, Lord, I don't want to, oh, God. And just begin to, do, listen, some of you have triggers, things that if the slightest thing happens, you're going to throw a fit of rage. Or in the secrecy of your home when nobody knows in the dark. By the way, the devil knows what you do in the dark and God sees what you're doing also. You flip on the internet in the middle of the night and we've got kids, so you fill in the blank. And you think it doesn't affect you. Well, it does. It does, what you do on that little device of yours. Huh? Snapchat. Nobody can tell what little snap you're sending. Of course, they keep it on all of their servers. So if you ever get really important or whatever, you're important already. But I mean, if you get popular or maybe, you know, those things can roll out. Yeah. You know, the, the Internet is, it's instant, it's global, and it's forever. But you can be set free tonight. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be filled with greed. You don't have to be filled with lust. You can be loosed. In fact, the Lord would say to you, be thou loosed. Did you get something? Stand up all across this place. Come on, straighten up and praise God. That's what she did. Come on, just praise God right now. Hallelujah. All right, really simple. Really simple. I want my pastors, ministers, come on. You come, pastors and ministers, staff, come, line across the front, facing them. If you're here and you're struggling and you may believe that maybe you have a bondage or you know you have one, Karen, do you remember when they would be like, they'd give an altar call and be like, I can't go for that because then they'll know. <laughs> well, we don't know anything. Look, if you want to get rid of stuff, there's no shame. If you stink, you should take a shower. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, if you got gingivitis, go to the dentist. If you got plaque on your teeth, brush your teeth. If you have bondage, get prayer. Get free. Repent. Amen. 
Now, if you're struggling with a bondage, hold on a second before you start coming. You're struggling with a bondage. Now, it can be direct or indirect. Maybe you need healing for you don't know what reason. Or maybe you know what, maybe you know you've been through stuff in your home. Maybe you went through some things when you were a little girl, a little boy, and you know, I need to be healed from that wound because wounding, when it's not healed, can, can bring bondage also. Maybe you say, no, no, I, I know what it is because my, my daddy struggled with it and I struggle with it too and I want to get rid of it. Or maybe you're just like, no, I just have a sense that like maybe I've got something I want, I want to be totally free. I just want to make sure all across this place, if you're struggling with bondage or you just believe, I just want prayer just to make sure or, or you know exactly what's going on, whether it be indirect or direct bondage or you want to shut the door to the enemy. Come on, denial is not a river in Egypt. You want to expose that thing. If you're struggling with pornography, you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with any kind of a bondage, get out from where you are. Come to the front. We're going to pray for you right now. Right now, come. Or you can keep your demons. It's, it's, it's up to you. Now again, you say, well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Okay, that's okay. In a moment, we're going to pray. You come. Do not pray yet. Staff, ministers, wait. Wait. Staff, ministers, minister Tammy, wait. Wait all across the line. Wait. Line up, please. Shoulder to shoulder, all the way across the front. One straight line. Listen, we love you. That's why we preach. You're going to help us. Not yet. You're not praying yet. We're waiting. Want my whole worship team up here unless you're, oh, hi. You got us uh, some, okay, you find something there. I want you to reach your hands towards them, all right? And, and I want you to agree with us. And listen, examine your own heart. If you think maybe you've got something, it'd be a good time to get rid of it. There's no shame. Let me pray and lead you in a prayer, and then we're gonna, then we're gonna pray. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you. Right out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you. I submit my life to you. And I ask you tonight, come on, right out loud. I ask you tonight to free me from any bondage, from any curse, that you would set me free from every cord and every snare, even from generations gone by. I declare that you became a curse so that I could live in freedom and power. I repent tonight. Come on. Say it again. I repent tonight for whatever role I had in possibly opening doors to the enemy. I renounce secret and shameful ways. Come on, say it like you mean it. I renounce secret and shameful ways. And I shut the door. I plead the blood of Jesus over my sin and over the wounds in my life that came from other people. I forgive them. I forgive them. Come on, say it again. I forgive them. And I ask you now, in Jesus' name, to free me, to heal me, and to loose me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now pray. Where's all my ushers? Ushers, stand behind these people that are praying. Ready, set, go. When you're praying for somebody, make sure you have an usher. Holy Spirit, right now.
free. Move to the next person. Touch and agree. Touch and agree. Not five minutes or even three minutes or two minutes. Touch and agree. Next person, ready, go. Be free. Be loosed. When hands are laid on you, receive it like Jesus is laying his hands.
with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him all across this place. If that's you, pray this prayer with me right out loud. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God all across this place. Holy Spirit, come, fill, touch, heal. If you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, come on, do it right now. Come on, you got to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Many of you got free, now be filled with the Spirit. Once a house is swept free, you got to be filled afresh. Come on, occupy the house with the Spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We declare divine healings. A spirit of infirmity, we command you to go. Sickness, any disease, in Jesus' name. Addiction. Lord, the opioid problem epidemic here in the valley. Stomp that thing out by the finger of God. Drive it out of our state. Drive it out of our nation. Drive it out, God. Drive out opioids. Drive out addiction. They say that drug use is back to the 60s level. We're poised for a great revival. God, bring it. Bring it even here. We thank you. You split the sea so I could walk right through. My fears were drowned. In perfect love. Oh, you rescued me. You rescued me. You rescued me so I can stand and see. I am. I am a child of God. I am. I am a child of God. Identity is one of the keys to walking in the power of God. When you come to understand who you are because you've been redeemed from the curse, you're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not a dirt bag. You're not a loser. You, whatever, whatever the enemy wants to try to tell you, well, you came out of prison or, or, you, or you don't have any education or whatever the nonsense the enemy won't want to try to whisper to you, understand and know this, that when God saved you, he brought you out of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That's what he did. You are a child of God. Begin to think differently think differently there's an illustration that keeps coming to me it seems so silly but but I'm going to use it and then we'll close it comes out of a book called Stomping Out the Darkness by Neil T. Anderson and it is a powerful life changing book 
Stomping Out the Darkness. It's, it's written for high schoolers. All of you high schoolers, challenge you to read it. Stomping Out the Darkness. Say it. Stomping. I challenge everyone. There is an adult version, but I had two big words, so I just stayed with the kid version. And it gives this illustration about coming to understand who you are in Christ. And it gives all these scriptures that, that you should memorize. And, I, and, I, and if you spend any time with me at all, I get to talk to you or counsel you, I'll tell you, memorize all those scriptures. Very few people do it. And very people, few people walk in, in their authority as a child of God to really know who they are. So the enemy's constantly messing with them. If you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, Satan's constantly saying, well, you really saved, you, you really agree. You start to really know who you are, then you begin to act differently. So the illustration is there's this guy, his name's Johnny, and uh, Johnny has a relationship with Susie. And, um, you know, they're, they're, um, they're just too close, you know. And uh, he would chase her around school. And one day, as Johnny was chasing Susie, the track coach saw him run by and grabbed him by the arm. Hey, Johnny, you're fast. Why don't you come out and try out for track? He said, oh, I don't want to. I want to chase Susie. No, no, I, I think you could win some gold. You could win some championships. I've seen you. You're fast. So he brought him down. And he began to train with the track, the track team. Well, Johnny wasn't just fast. He had a serious set of wheels. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He could really, really run. He starts eating right. He starts training. Susie, Susie would come to watch him run. And, and uh, shortly thereafter, he started winning races and started getting better and better and better. Johnny's favorite thing was chocolate cake. So Susie came one day in a real short skirt. She wasn't being chased by Johnny as much because he's running a lot now and winning races. So she came with a, with a, with a piece of cake. Hi, Johnny. I brought you your favorite chocolate cake. And he says, no, I can't do that. I'm an athlete. I got to go. There's Susie. Many skirt and chocolate cake all to the curb. Why? Because Johnny's now an athlete. Now I'm going to just tell you, when you come to understand who, what Jesus has done for you, when you come to a real awareness and awakening, when your heart is turned, your mind is renewed to understand who you really are, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you can boldly come before His throne of grace and find help in time of need, that there's no devil in hell that can stop you, there's no sickness, no infirmity, no disease, that God has made a way for you, God has opened a door for you, that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then you will run like Elijah, you'll bring revival, and the power of God will fall and darkness will just part and God will run through you swiftly. Know who you are. Come on, somebody shout to God with a voice of triumph. Lord, we thank you. Pastor Barry, come on. 
Father, we thank you tonight for the move of your spirit upon this place. We thank you for the truth of your word that has gone forth. Father, I pray that like that word would be what you declare it to be, seeds that have been sown, that have been planted deep within our heart and our spirit, Lord God, that they'll begin to take root, that we won't put up with what the devil has said. We won't put up with being bound any longer, but we'll have that word of truth that we received tonight, that assurance that we received tonight from you, Holy Spirit that it's buried deep within us and it'll begin to grow and produce fruit of righteousness in our lives. Bless your people tonight, Lord God. Cause your face to shine upon them. Deal graciously with us, Lord, and give us peace. And we declare all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.